All right, man, we got a good one here that hits really close to home for me. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, we've, I think we've hinted at this topic a few times in the past, and we've, we've both kind of expressed lessons that we've learned over the years uh, as far as movements that may no longer be appropriate for us for one reason mm -hmm. or another, and what kind of gets you to that conclusion. So this, this seems like an extension of that conversation to me. Yeah, so I'll read this gentleman's question. Um, and again, it's his exact name is not here. Is it Heineken? Is his last name Heineken? Is he is he an heir to a beer fortune? I'm not sure. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> Could be. But anyway, he says, uh, <laughs> my idea for the show is to discuss, it's a longer question, I'll try to summarize here. Overhead okay. movements for the quote-unquote less than normal athlete, 57 years old, and for 10 years, I've been a daily 6 a.m. goer to the CrossFit affiliate. Uh, he started CrossFit after recovering from a second shoulder surgery. His good, quote-unquote, good shoulder has relatively bad range of motion. And the mm. bad one is way worse. I don't have much hope of recovering 100%. I'm not going to SOTS press 135 pounds. I'm okay with that. He gets to class early, and he stays late to do a bunch of just flexibility, mobility, training, and all that stuff. But his strength has gone down last few years, kind of bummed out, trying to keep his head in the game, scales when needed. My question has to do with the continual friendly battling I do with my coach, who I love, he says, <laughs> and who he also says is most likely listening to this show about what I can accomplish. And it's around uh, mostly the posture. She mm. keeps telling me that I need to drop under the bar and the movement will get easier. But what I find is that my core, my shoulder stability, what's needed to drop under the bar for a push jerk, it just escapes me under any kind of a load that you might want to use in a workout that has mm -hmm. any sort of a demand to it. Nothing really available at a one rep max, et cetera, et cetera. Split jerk's a little bit better, um, but I don't get the full extension. Shoulder lockout, I lose my lumbar stiffness. I arch my back to try to get some room. Doesn't feel good. And, you know, basically overhead pressing is is relatively miserable. So discuss amongst yourselves. Please advise me on a path and remember that my coach is listening. I love it. I love that we've got the uh, the enthusiast and the coach, you know, <laughs> yeah. metaf metaphorically in the room together. I think that's great. First First number one, do, that's how it should be, right? right? I mean, yeah. 57 yeah. years old and he's been going to the 6 a.m. class for 10 consecutive years. Yeah, hell yeah to that's that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, like I opened with, I think there comes a time in every person's life, Pat, where you got to stare some things in the mirror and say, okay, is this, uh, is this appropriate for me and where I am right now? Um, or is that, am I just trying to hang on to some sort of arbitrary, perfect state that may have never existed in the first place? And I think that sometimes when you have a system like CrossFit that does have a pretty good overarching philosophy around it and a series of movements that kind of fit within that philosophy, um, sometimes it can be difficult to come to terms with the fact that maybe one or two of those pieces no longer fit for your personal situation. Mm -hmm. And that can be a reality sometimes. Um, I, I know for me personally, you know, when I was much younger as a trainer, you know, I've lucky enough, I started doing CrossFit personally and then coaching it at a relatively young age. I was in my, my early 20s at the time. And if you would have told me back then that there would be some people that some movements just are not going to be a, uh, a possibility for them, 
I probably at that point in my career would have told you, ah, no, they just need more practice. Another thousand reps would mm -hmm. definitely get them there. And all you need to do is just put in the time and be disciplined about it. And I still feel that there are plenty of times where that is the case. And it doesn't mean you just need to let things go to pasture, so to speak. On the other hand, there are some physical realities that come creeping in. And sometimes you have to say, okay, I'm no longer going to pursue this movement in this way because I can't or it's not productive. Yes, and I lived that life as well. That's why this question, <laughs> this question hit home for me. I mean, truth be told, there's that saying that, you know, um, if you look back over the course of the last 10 years and you feel like you're the same person, you probably wasted 10 years, you know, meaning mm. hopefully you're learning, evolving, and you're, you know, learning from mistakes, increasing your knowledge. Man, there are some things I wish I could take back that I was so passionately mm -hmm. and rigidly unwavering on, you know, you know, related to this question of somebody who is struggling with, it doesn't even matter what it is, struggling with something, couldn't quite get something. And as a, a, you know, significantly younger person that didn't have as many dents in the fenders, I was just like, you're just not trying hard enough or not <laughs> practicing or not practicing hard enough or not mm. whatever it happens to be. And at that phase in my life with the experience level that I had, if you'd hooked me up to a lie detector test, I truly believed yeah. what I was saying. Like it wasn't just supposed to be cheerleading motivational nonsense. I really believed it. And now I can tell you I was dead wrong. It just, mm. it is what it is. And, and like you're saying, there are plenty of people who through practice, through repetition, through engaging their brain to the body, like can achieve some of those things. But then you have to be open to the fact that there are certain people out there in society, in your class, in whatever that have either put their body through certain things that you have not, or were born with something you have not, that they're just not going to get there and it won't be for lack of effort or lack of trying or lack of whatever. And you need to know, and maybe as a coach, you are bumping into the limits of your expertise or purview of, of knowledge and take a step back to assess, you know, is this somebody who maybe a different path is going to serve them much better? And, um, and I wish this that I had figured this out uh, years ago personally. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things that just popped in my mind there was, I think your coaching strategy is just top notch there, which is, Hey, try it's not hard, working man. out for you. Just try hard. That's, that's just top level good old, coaching. Good old former military knucklehead. That's <laughs> just uh, some great technical coaching advice <laughs> right Appreciate out the gate. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a very classic approach, but um, at any rate, uh, I, I think if you dig a little bit deeper, the intention is good for somebody who is coaching this individual to continue oh, sure. sticking with these movements. You know, it, it, I'm willing to bet the intention is, hey, I don't want you to give up on yourself. I'm not giving up on you. Without a this doubt. is a movement that still has a ton of utility and therefore we should at least give it the college try. I don't think there's anything wrong with that uh, on a fundamental level. I don't think there's any malice involved. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what I do think, though, is if we're at a point where we have, you know, a mechanical structural issue, we're talking about surgical intervention, sounds like it's pretty serious, sounds like it wasn't great to begin with. Mm -hmm. And now we're trying to reclaim some of this, um, you know, lost range of motion, etc. It sounds like we got to be really careful about what movements we're using and in what way 
to try to re- reclaim that. And so what I mean by that, if we're talking push jerk as a movement, okay, so the deeper you get into that receiving position, the more demanding it's going to become on the overhead position. So it's no wonder that this gentleman is having a hard time getting into that receiving position and, and kind of, you know, has some physical trepidation about it. Makes perfect sense because the range isn't there. Um, for that reason, I think it's still worthwhile to have the coordination that's associated with that lift. I think it's still worthwhile to have the uh, power being transferred from the hips up into the upper body. That's a great quality to train. However, it sounds like at a even a maybe insignificant load, this is not a great choice based on the positions that cannot be achieved. And so to me, this is a red flag for like, all right, if we pursue the push jerk, it's not going to be anything beyond practice with the lightweight with the eye on perfect or what perfect looks like now, given these physical limitations with a light load. Uh, And and it's not the pursuit of a a heavy, high power output type of situation. If we're looking for that expression, we need to find another way. And I promise I'll land the plane on this. So if we look at kind of the qualities that something like the push jerk is going to express, we're talking coordination from the hips up into the upper body. We're talking the flexibility to achieve the position. Okay, we can achieve that pretty well with just the practice of it and not having to worry about the loading. What we can't get is that true strength component and power component. Where could we get that somewhere else? Well, maybe a a non-technical throwing movement, you know, like a wall ball for height or Mm -hmm. a a throw at at an arc that's not technique dependent, but allows that really aggressive extension and handoff of power. That could be a great way to fill the gap that has nothing to do with the push jerk, but still bridges the gap between some of these qualities that you can't get from that loading anymore. So just one example of how you can start to modify things. And, and great, useful examples, you know, and I don't know who this individual's coach is. And like I said, I'm 100% mean this when I say this. I'm sure the heart's in the right place. They're trying to mm-hmm. help this individual out. But if I had to guess, I would guess just from context that this individual's coach is not somebody approaching 60 years old with horrific shoulders. <laughs> and, and so there's only so much you know, you can guess at without being that. And to some and, and to some degree, you just don't know until you've been there. And, you know, reading this individual story, one of the first things that leapt out at me was, why does this guy need to push jerk? Mm-hmm. Why? Like, you know, we can probably, sh- you know, let's just say as terrible as you, nobody wants to admit failure, right? That's a very tough thing as well. Sure. But you might have to just shelf that movement as, as, as horrific as it is to say of some coaches, it's just off your list. We tried and we tried and we tried, but it seems to be, regardless of whatever, more detrimental than beneficial to you. And and this particularly hits home with me as well. I've been very open. In fact, I've got terrible, awful shoulders where, um, you know, sometimes a, a, even the load doesn't matter. Like holding an empty barbell overhead sometimes, it's not difficult. That's not the right word. It's painful. Like, Mm. that's not good. Like, so it's not Mm -hmm. even load dependent, like lower the weight. I got an empty barbell here, like, and it hurts. And it doesn't hurt in a, you know, fight through the pain for the benefit. It hurts as in I'm I'm feeling like my lumbar spine pinch and it's not okay. And if that's just, and I've been there for 17 years, you know, (laughs) so I don't need somebody to hand me another lacrosse ball or whatever it happens to be. 
I'm relatively confident that this is just something I need to shelf. And that sucks because yeah. it's a amazing, explosive, incredible movement that I would be better to have in my arsenal. But at a certain point, you just have to weigh the pros and the cons. And you don't want to do physical harm to your body in pursuing something that just you could get it if we shelved that and did it in a bit of a different way, like you said there. And so I would just encourage coaches to be open-minded to that with your clients. As you know, like I said before, I think that a lot of people, they're not that extreme. You know, they haven't either whatever. Broken something severe, had a bunch of car accidents, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, they can probably work to improve A, B, C, or D. But you're going to find those people where it's not for lack of effort. You got you to, hey, put that one in the closet and let's go ahead and do something else. And I tend to think that's what's happening with this gentleman here. And, and I can, you know, use myself as an example. Like I said, I was that trainer years ago that didn't realize areas that I was ignorant about. And yeah. I most certainly don't know everything now. I think luckily I'm just, I'm more aware of where I am ignorant, <laughs> you know, and I'm open-minded yeah. to saying, hey, we've bumped into the limits of what I'm comfortable addressing. I'm not, I'm not quite sure because you're still telling me something. It shouldn't sound that way. We got to figure something else out. And just, you know the deal, man. Traveling around like on the level one seminar or whatnot, you know, whether there should or shouldn't be peer pressure in that environment to, you know, perform. And everyone's looking at you, you got the red shirt, your buddies are working out. Like, you don't want to scale the workout. You want to do what's happening. And so I went overhead for years, whether it was Isabel or Grace or whatnot. And I, sh I should not have, quite mm -hmm. frankly. And, and it wasn't a fun feeling workout that left me fit afterwards. Like it hurt my lower back over and over and over again, but I didn't want to be the one that wasn't doing it, you know? And again, and there was no amount of cues of like, poke your head through the hole, pull your rib cage <laughs> down. Like none of that, there wasn't, that wasn't it. <laughs> you know, that wasn't yeah. going to do it. And I just stubbornly held on for far too long. But hey, that's my decision with my body. Wish I could take it back. Now, if somebody else has placed their well-being into your, you know, responsibility as a trainer, I would... I would intervene and try to, you know, steer the ship in a different direction a whole heck of a lot sooner than I did. I guess that's the, the point of my tale. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I, I still think that there's utility in trying to touch these positions, even if it's with, you know, no load, no, no speed, no anything. I do think there's some practical reasons to just try to keep the door open there, even if you know it's not going to result in you know, progression in the sense that we're never going to put load on the bar. We're never going to do this in a, in a timed environment, something like that. I, I do think there's still some utility there, but totally uh, agree with you that I will push hey, man, back on that. It depends on the yeah. person, my friend. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, here to enough. tell you, I mean, uh, there are just some days where a PVC pipe overhead, it, it ain't, it's just, it ain't, it ain't there, you know? And so, right. um, again, I would just, uh, I would just be cautious to make sure you're making the right decision with the right person. Sure. Yeah, I get. Yeah. My pushback to that pushback is the fact that you've got the PVC pipe up over your head is exactly what I'm talking about, where it's like, okay, you're still putting yourself in that once in a while, even if it's just a tester to say, okay, what is this? What, where am I right now? And, and you know, how bad is it or, or not? Um, I, I still think there's some benefit to that. But anyway, regardless, more broadly, I think that one of the hardest things as a trainer you talked about like, you know, quote unquote, admitting defeat. 
Uh, and again, when you have something that's kind of well-established now like CrossFit is, and it's got a, a kind of a uh, selection of movements that's pretty understood, anytime you come across somebody that says, okay, I can no longer do this movement or it's not appropriate for me, it can feel like, okay, now the pie slice is getting a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. And that can be a really bad feeling because you start to think about constantly varied as a core tenant. And you're like, well, what happens when that variance starts to become diminished? At a certain point, if you play that through all the way logically, you're like, well, I'm just back to doing a single movement all the time and there's no variance, right? Like that's the logical end state. And so it can, mm-hmm. it can feel a little bit confining. But I'm here to tell you that there are so many movements and so many variations of movements out there that you just have to get a little bit creative because there are others. There are plenty of things to be worked on that can get close to the original qualities that you're trying to develop with that primary movement. And you can develop some spectacular capacity with them. And I think back all the time to that original article uh, way back in the journal. It's called Working Wounded, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, basically the idea there is, okay, you're injured. What opportunities does that allow you to, quote unquote, specialize in some things that maybe you hadn't even really considered? And so let's take that approach here and say, all right, as an example, the push jerk, maybe it's off the table forever. Maybe maybe you're right. It's like, okay, you know what? We're done with that. It's not going to happen. Uh, it's been a good ride, but <laughs> just right, no sure, more. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, well, we still need to keep the upper body strong. And we still need to find some ways to do that. It's like maybe this individual becomes more of a bench press specialist than the average CrossFitter. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that they're, you know, now they're back to doing three sets of 10 and that's it. Uh, and there's no other um, CrossFit training to be seen. But what would be so bad about this person having the strongest bench in the gym if it works within the confines of the limits of their shoulder? That could be a great expression. I live this how about, life. Yeah. Or how about they- a lot they become an excellent legless rope climber. Mm-hmm. That range of motion is often pretty protected. You don't have to go all the way up overhead unless you want to. You can keep the pulls pretty close to the chest in a, in a nice range of motion. That could be an upper body movement that this person becomes a quote unquote, a specialist in. And, you know, that is a, a knowing pursuit because there are some other limitations. And I mean, those are just two basic examples. There's variations give on you all one. of these that could plug the gap. Yeah. So you did Nancy the other day, right? I sure did. Yeah. And I, the workout of the day, uh, Lynchman yesterday was Nancy, as a matter of fact. Oh, great. Okay. And We're so on the same wavelength. Yeah, man. So I, I like, I, I like it. <laughs> I walked in and you know, it's overhead squat and we've just yeah. had this whole discussion right here. And, and I didn't know if it was going to be a day where, you know, is a snatch with grip with a lighter weight. I knew 95 pounds wasn't going to happen. It's just, it's not going to happen. But 75 was a maybe. Like, if I'm having a great day, maybe. Uh, I was not having a great day. It was just, you know, empty barbell felt terrible. So I was like, all right, darn it. But in thinking like the, the entire purpose of this thing, what am I trying to accomplish with the workout? You know, mm-hmm. what, this, what is this strength and conditioning session about? And how can I, based upon what I have going on for me, get as close as I can intelligently to it? I'm like, okay, great. Well, you know, an easy thing for me to say, you know, lower the weight. Okay, that didn't happen. All right, well, now, what if I, you know, and maybe I could have overhead squatted a PVC pipe. Okay, cool. 
yeah, I'm holding something overhead, but now like the below parallel stimulus is quite different between sets of 15 with a PVC pipe versus 95 pounds. So it's like, all right, I don't like that either. I could front squat, you know, even though the rack position is not great, and that will help my the below parallel aspect, but I'm not really strengthening my shoulder girdle too much and, and whatnot. So what I actually landed on, and I hadn't done it this way before, but I liked it, was I did a goblet squat with a 70 pound kettlebell and I held it just Oof. like a half inch off my chest the whole time. So it was like this isometric, miserable static hold. And it was the heaviest kettlebell that I had. So I know it's a little bit lighter than the quote unquote Nancy loading. I'm here to tell you, I do not feel <laughs> short change from the experience. And I know obviously that it's different than what's going on in an overhead squat. But if I keep reducing it, reducing it to where am I today? The overhead squat, yep, the weight's over there. It's fantastic. But it's, you know, I'm not flexing, extending my arms. It just, it's an isometric hold, so to speak, where at the end of sets of overhead squats, I'm lit up in my upper back, my traps, my shoulders from just mm -hmm. stabilizing the weight there. When I'm holding that goblet squat right there, a half inch off my chest, it is upper back, shoulders and traps on fire and working the entire time while going below parallel. And so that was my version of Nancy yesterday. It didn't hurt my shoulders. I feel worked exactly where I should feel worked. I hadn't done it that way before, and I really, really liked it. So again, there are ways to kind of just, if you can see the matrix through some programming, and, and the more you increase your strength and conditioning level of intelligence, which ideally we try to help during these shows, whatever you've got going on, hopefully you can find a meaningful alternative that still makes that day in the gym a win. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess uh, to kind of expand on my previous thought, um, you know, anytime you're in the position where you feel like you have to take something away from the training program, um, you know, like I said, it can start to feel really limiting. But maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but there's no <laughs> one yeah. movement that is so just perfect and so essential that if you were to take it away, that's it. You're just, you're screwed for life. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there are always workarounds and frankly, the human body is not that delicate that if you just remove one thing, that's it. It's never going to function the same way again. Um, and the other end of that is that, you know, the, the ways that we can move that are productive and useful and can drive your capacity forward are not so limited that you've only got one choice. And I think he just, you know, exemplified that really nicely. So that I think is the mindset that trainers need to be in when they're kind of confronted with these realities sometimes. It's like, okay, yeah, I might not like it. And, and again, maybe it is a, a worthwhile exercise to try to stick with it until it's very clear that like, oh, this is just not a good choice anymore. Um, because you don't want to give up early on anybody, right? That's not, mm -hmm. that's not good either. Uh, but once you get there, start to change your thinking around it and view it as an opportunity as for exploration. What are other ways that I can problem solve around this and kind of get creative to, to, to get close to what we were looking for originally? And that can turn it into something that's actually a lot of fun. It's, it, it can be cool. And especially when you've You're got a relationship. A problem. Yeah. And especially when you've got a relationship, like it sounds that is happening here where we've got a motivated individual. They've got an awesome relationship with their, their trainer, mm -hmm. the trainer, you know, they're, they're smack talking a little bit in a friendly way. Like there's obviously a lot of trust and, and a lot of familiarity there. I mean, that's awesome. 
to have that to fall back on. It's something that you can engage in together. And it's like, all right, hey, you know, we can work together here to figure out what the best path forward is so that we can get another 10 years in the bank and then hopefully another 10 years after that. Yep. No, agreed. And and like I mentioned just briefly, when there is a lot of overhead pressing or whatnot, and you mentioned the bench press, I do a ton of bench press uh, just because that's, I get in my pressing in, in one way, shape or form. And if I'm, and I know it's in a different direction, but it's, it's, it's okay. I've yet to encounter anything in the real world that I haven't been able to do. Like life's great. <laughs> and if I can't, if, a, if a couple things have come up and I don't feel like bench pressing again, I might press in a totally different direction, 180 degrees out and just do like ring dips, kipping or strict. Yeah, sure. And I've just never been shortchanged. Like I can find ways to get in pressing and modify the workout and, and life is good. So yeah, that's it, man. Well, that was, again, that was a great one because man, I just feel like I live that life. I'm right there with you, sir. Yeah. Well, and I, it's, uh, I think all of us do to some degree, you know, after a certain time, um, you know, there's certain things that you're just like, yeah, that the pursuit of that is, uh, no longer on the list, and, and that's okay. Do you, la- last question, uh, do you have anything that you've shelved, or, or is everything still fair game, you just need to reduce the loading, et cetera, et cetera? No, I mean, I've talked about this before, but behind-the-neck movements, like any sort of behind-the-neck press, uh, you know, even technique work with a barbell um, for, like, snatch drills and things like that, like, I don't mess with that. I've had too many... Um, have you tried harder? Problems... I, I have. I, I, in fact, it's funny you mentioned that. In my early years, indeed, I did try a lot harder to try to try to make it work. And, and shocker, it didn't end well, which uh, eventually led me to figure out that like, okay, this just isn't for me. And again, um, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, like, yeah, I will still take a PVC and slowly with no other load than that, mm-hmm. work through some of those positions. But I've learned over the years that like, that's the limit. It's, it's not going to be, um, you know, something that I um, have really have any interest in pushing. Uh, and by extension, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I think my snatch is probably held back a little bit by that. But at the end of the day, I don't care. You know, I can still You're do gonna the movement. You're going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. I'm never going to have a monster snatch. It was never going to be a monster snatch anyway. It's just, <laughs> right. it's just the way it is. And so I will take the, uh, the limited progress that I do make with that lift. Um, and, you know, my, my shoulders and my joints are happy with it. I'll take that any day over the, uh, you know, kind of recurring minor injuries that I put myself through when I was in that mindset of like, well, just a couple more reps and I'll get there. Oh, dude, that's, see, that's the life that lives. Yeah. I would force going overhead. You know, and I say peer pressure, but I'm, you know, grown man in charge of my own decision. So it was my, stu- <laughs> my stupid decision. Yeah. And then for me, feeling cool to do the workout, half the time that would result in me not really like being able to turn my head to the left for seven days. And it's like, <laughs> why am I doing yeah. this? You know, like what's happening here? <laughs> so, so mm-hmm. eventually, you know, um, light dawns on thick skull, as they say. Yep. So anyway, well, hey, keep the questions coming. I really enjoyed that one. That was fantastic. If mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone's kind of dealing with something. So let us know in the comments, is there a movement that you've had to put on the shelf? You know, thoughts and feelings about that. And if so, have you found a wonderful workaround for that that kind of preserves the stimulus? You know, let us know, share some thoughts. If you've got an idea or topic for an upcoming show, post that down there in the comments under the YouTube video. You know, hit up the Very Not Random Instagram with a message. Of course, check out the 
Go to very.random.com, see all the different cycles that we offer, get your first strict pull-up, handstand walk, barbell work, 1.5 mile run, some good stuff there, help support the show. And for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and I will see you next time.